Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Again, I'm Steve Linhart. I'm one of the MC leaders here. Uh, I, I want to welcome you to our gathering uh, for Reach Life. We're glad you're here this morning. Um, we're going to continue our series in Genesis. Uh, so far, we have gone through chapters one through three, and that means we're going to do what next? Four. <laughs> so the title of the message today is Adam's Family. Sorry. That's good. It doesn't. Some of you may not have a clue what that is, but most of us older people do. Uh, it was a TV show and, of course, a few movies. Um, anyway, uh, it does not have to do with the TV show or the movies. It is about Adam's family. Um, we're focusing mainly on the brothers of Cain and Abel. Um, so if you will grab your scriptures, and we're going to be reading through uh, Genesis 4 all the way through, if you would like to read along with me. <clears throat> Now Adam knew his wife, I mean, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Keep in mind what they did and how they presented their offering. And the Lord had had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It is, its desire is contrary to you, and you must, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And you are now cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground... It shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today for away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Keep in mind his response on that. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Um, real quick, the, we don't really know what the mark was, uh, but, but they, they believe it was some sort of a tattoo or something to mark him. The point is, everyone knew he was a marked man. And interestingly, a marked man today is considered a target, uh, so for Cain, this mark keeps him from being a target. 
Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When, when he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now, a lot of you may say, okay, and you've probably heard, where did he get, where did he get a wife? So, as James said when we were discussing this, we're not like family. <laughs> we are family. As Scripture points out, Adam and Eve were the beginning of the human race. So, they would have had to intermarry their family. We all started from Adam and Eve, so we really are all family. Uh, though God allowed intermarriage in the beginning, he does forbid intermarriage, or what we call incest later, as we find in Leviticus. But the Bible does not expressly tell us why it is forbidden, but it may be because of the cumulative effects of the fall upon DNA. We do see higher chances of unhealthy results in children from incest. Going back to 18, to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujuel, and Mahujuel fathered Methusuel, and Methusuel fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives, the name of of the one was Ida, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ida bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the, the pipe. Zillah also bore Tubalcain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubalcain was Nama. Lamech Uh, said to his wives, Ida and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, uh, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. How many of us in here have brothers and sisters? How many of us have ever wanted to, well, (laughs) figuratively kill our brothers and sisters, right? I'm I'm sure many of us have felt the anger toward our siblings. Hopefully, hopefully, none of us have killed them. Uh, maybe you can remember why you were so upset with them. Maybe it was that they were or seemed to be favored. Or you were punished for something that they did and lied about it and said you did it. Or maybe you just did ev- they did everything right and you didn't. As we dive into Genesis 4, we can see the effects of the fall uh, in the account of Cain and Abel. So I have three different observations for you. My first observation is worship. This is where we'll spend the majority of the time this morning is on on worship. Merriam-Webster defines worship as to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. There are many ways that um, that we can worship God. We do it through music, money, time, our bodies, helping others for God, and so on. We would worship God by the way that we, we should worship God by the way we live our lives. We, we put some, something or someone in place of God. When we put something in place of God, uh, then that is worship of that thing. 
and we call that an idol. Tim Keller states in his book, Counterfeit Gods, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. And anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. I think that's worth reading again, so listen to it again. An idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. And anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. We all worship something. Maybe it's your favorite protein uh, that, that you know everything about or we know everything about. We know all the stats of the team and the players, watch every game, go when possible, even if we can't afford it. When watching the game, no one is allowed to talk. When they lose, we're in a bad mood. Uh, you may say, what's wrong with that? Um, it may be nothing. But how much time and resources are spent on that versus how much time do we spend in, with God in prayer, reading his word, learning his stats, which are perfect, by the way. Possibly it's our career. We work all the time, late nights, weekends, holidays. We don't see our spouse or children. Even at home, we email, handle phone calls, texts. Where does God fit into that? Obviously, we must work to, base, to pay our bills and to... Um, save and to eat, but when? But will it ever be enough? Let's look at verses three and four again from our scripture this morning and see how and whom Cain and Abel are worshiping. Starting in verse three, in the course of time, Cain brought the, to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Hebrew word used for offering here is. I'm probably saying this wrong, mina, which is a little, in Levitical code is an acceptable offering. So far, it looks, it looks good. We see Cain brought, got an offering, which is a form of worship. Cain's offering was from the type of work he did, which was farming the land, and Abel's was from what he did, which is shepherding. Now, it's not, we don't know or when it was record, how it was recorded that they were instructed to do this. We assume that through Adam and Eve, they had learned worship and that it was passed on. But at this point, there are no rules for that until we get further up to Moses' time and, and uh, the tabernacle when they, have, uh, when they have a written code for, for worship. Um, now let's look at how God responds, uh, starting in verse 4b through 5a. And the Lord had regard for Abel. Now notice it's for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. But why? Was it him? Was it the type of offering? We said that it was an acceptable. Was it the quantity, the quality? What? I believe that there's a hint in the wording in, in verses 3 and 4. Cain's offering was from the fruit of the ground, and Abel's was, was from the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. I'm going to give, let me give you an example of what, that might help us better understand Cain and Abel's offering. I'm going to use my wife uh, as an example. <laughs> Surprise. Let's pretend that I have done nothing wrong, so this is not a get-out-of-the-doghouse gift. I want to show my wife how much I love and adore her. 
Uh, for that to happen, I would actually need to know my wife. Um, and hopefully after more than 29 years, I've done, so I have somewhat of a clue. But I'm still learning. Um, so, one, an offering in the way of Abel. I decide I'm going to get Anne some of her favorite chocolates from French Broad Chocolates. I uh, was not paid, by the way, for that. That is her favorite chocolates. Uh, do, I, uh, do I get her a liquid truffle, cold sipping chocolate, chocolate creme brulee, truffles? She pretty much likes it all. I get it, I take it and hide it where she will easily find it. And when she does, she feels loved and cared for. Um, and that I cared enough to take the time and effort to give her something she loves. Would that show love and honor to her? Okay, option two, an offering in the way of Cain. Anne is distant, and I ask, what's your problem? She's, she finally says, you don't care about me. You take me for granted. You never spend time with me. All you work, this is fictional, by the way. <laughs> I hope. You never spend time with me. All you do is work, play your games, or, or sleep. You don't show me any affection unless you want something. Okay, so now I would be in the doghouse. I look around and find something that might appease her. <clears throat> I hand her a pack of Reese's instead of French broad. Um, anyway, and then I run and pick one of my neighbor's flowers and give it to her. Sounds good so far? Not if you ask her. She hates chocolate and peanut butter. N not chocolate, but chocolate and peanut butter. She's a blasphemer. And the flower I gave her and had a bee on it, and it stung her. And then I tried to hit the bee and hit her. Anyway, would Anne feel that I loved her and adored her? Probably not. Maybe it was that way with God. Abel brings God uh, the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. You know, as we learn later on, it's the first fruits, the first of and the firstborn as a sacrifice is what's acceptable. He wants to please God and his offering and show how, how important he is. Cain offers the fruit of the ground. Doesn't say first fruits, just says the fruit of the ground. Uh, maybe he just grabs a few veggies, the ones no one likes. Uh, for me, it'd be celery and onions. Uh, and some fruit, and maybe that was overripe. Just so he had something to give. So at this point, we know that there's a heart issue, Right? It is also possible, there is, a, there is a kind of a division on this, whether that's you know, what was acceptable or not. There is one that's, that basically states that it, later in Levitical code, we have to do animal sacrifice to justify sins. We see that God provides Adam and Eve with skins. So there's, there's, there is some sacrifice at that point. But uh, there has to be a blood atonement later on as we, we learn in the code. So maybe the argument is, was it really an acceptable offering or should he have done more of a blood sacrifice. Um, either way, God didn't have regard for Cain's offering. So what about us? Do we show God the worship he deserves? Uh, worship comes from an, the old English word, worth-sip, or worth-ship. In other words, what is God worth? Everything. We should worship him in a way that lines up with who he is. Do we worship with a righteous and pure heart? Do we give God our best or leftovers? Do we think of him first or is he an afterthought? 
I believe we all struggle at times with our offerings to God. Here are some some, uh, verses or scripture of ways that we can worship the one true God. Luke 4.8 says, And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Hebrews 13.15 says, Through him, then let us... Continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And lastly, Proverbs 3.9 Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with your first fruits of all your produce. You may ask, how do I worship this, the way that these verses say, or why? Well, it's because of the gospel. God has rescued us from an eternity separated from him in hell. Because he loves us so much. He sent his son to take on our sin that we could, st- uh, we, that we could not shed, and allowed himself to be crucified, paying for our sin debt once and for all so that we may be restored to the Father. Some of us, like me, have to be reminded of that. All right, so we've looked at at worship, and now we're going to move into the second part or or second observation, which is the effects of sin. How does Cain respond when his offering is rejected at the end of verse 5? It says, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. Basically, he was ticked off, right? He was mad. But why? As we look at this offering, or as we looked at the offering earlier, we saw that he did not have honor for God. Let's look back at verse 6, where God himself warned Cain of the danger he was heading for. Now you would think that if you were speaking directly with God, the creator of the universe, who bothered to be talking to you, that you would listen, right? But we don't. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, basically if you're righteous, um, we, will you not be accepted or what they say is lifted up? And if you do not, uh, if you not do, do not do well, you're unrighteous. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you, you must rule over it. So that part actually says basically you're about to be consumed by sin, Right? When God brings correction, it is often pa- uh, painful and unpleasant. Hebrews 12, 13 through 14 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and stre- uh, strengthen your weak knees and make your path straight uh, for your feet. So that, you, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, uh, but rather be healed. Basically, get it together, right? Right? God, is, is, God was pursuing Cain, but Cain refused to respond to him. And though Cain rejects him, God is showing us how we should pursue the world around us 
to, the, to point them back to him. Uh, Cain's anger was le- led him to temptation, which was giving way to sin. Sin is conceived in the heart of man, or us, and begins with temptation. And Satan is the master of temptation and lies. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor James preached about this when Eve was deceived in the garden. He knew exactly where to hit Eve, and she believed his lies, Satan's, over God's truth. Temptation is not a sin. It is what we do with it that can make it a sin. However, we can willingly put ourselves into a position to be tempted, desiring the temptation itself. Um, and we should, uh, and that is sinful. Think about that for a moment. Do we flirt with temptation, maybe pushing our limits uh, with our temptations? That's a dangerous place. Paul reminds us that God gives us an option when we're tempted in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But the, but the temptation will, with that temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. With Cain, it probably started off as jealousy, pride, or hurt, for, maybe for his brother or from, you know, coming from his parents. Then Cain allowed himself to get so upset and blinded with anger that he ignored God's direct counsel. He then went to his brother, spoke with him, and killed him. My grandmother used to have a saying that kind of sums it up. She would say, I'm getting ready to step in the flesh. And so that means somebody's in trouble. Um, sometimes that was me. Um, uh, so, but isn't that the way Cain did? Except he took it to the extreme. Haven't we all done that? We get so upset about something and we let our emotions totally take control. And the result is not normally pleasing to God. And we ignore the, uh, and sorry, and like my grandmother alluded to, we intentionally get in the flesh and ignore the check in our spirit from the spirit of God. And instead of a righteous response, we choose a sinful one. Let's continue looking at Cain's continual slide into corruption. God asked Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Notice Cain's response. First, he lies to God, and then he deflects his question. Does Cain really believe that God doesn't know everything? And the answer to God's rhetorical question to Cain is, yes, you are your brother's keeper. Jesus demonstrated that he, he was our ultimate bro- uh, brother's keeper when he laid down his life for our, our sins. And we should live a life the same way. God, deals with Cain, God then deals with Cain's sin. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is calling, crying, crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Just notice he doesn't ever try to make up for it. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your your face I shall be hidden. 
I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth, and, and whoever finds me will kill me. We see that there is no true remorse or attempt to repent of, of, of his sin. God could have just killed him um, for what he had done, but he spared him. He protected him, and uh, even when he went out of his presence. God gave him grace that he did not deserve. He does that for us too. We deserve hell. He gave us grace through Jesus. God is so patient and kind to us and wants to have a relationship with us, a close relationship, individually. But we have to accept Jesus' work on the cross for our sins and be willing to repent of those sins which are keeping us from his presence. Okay, so far we've looked at Cain and Abel's worship and, uh, and uh, their, uh, with their offerings. We also looked at the effects of sin on Cain. Now we're going to look at uh, my last observation, which is legacy. In the past couple of messages, James showed us the legacy of Adam and Eve began uh, when they sinned in the garden. Now, I'm going to take a moment. We know that they sinned, but we also know that they're... they're was still probably an honor of God because as we see in this, in this passage, there's two ways passed down. Um, so um, um, picking up where we left off, uh, God had punished Cain by cursing the ground he worked as he did with his dad in Genesis 3.17. Remember when they sinned before, when God was talking to uh, Adam, he said cursed is the ground, right? So is it double cursed for him? I mean, did you know, Anyway, something to think about. Um, God also made him a fugitive and a wanderer and tatted him up. And then Cain then moved to Nod and started a family. Look back at 16, verse 16. Cain, then Cain went away from the presence of, of the Lord. God didn't send him. Cain left, right? And settled in the Nod, in the land of Nod, east of Eden. The Lord, uh, remember in Scripture, does not show Cain to have remorse or repentance or even try to reconcile himself with God. Then Scripture gives us uh, some of his family tree down to his great, great, great grandson, Lamech. Let's look at 23 through 34. Lamech said to his wives, Ida and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, I don't know why he has to tell them, but anyway. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me and a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. So it appears that Cain continued his uh, corruption away and away from God down through his multiple generations, five generations at least at this point. Um, he kills a man for striking him and then he brags about it. He brags that he is, oh, well, if his, if, if Cain's is sevenfold, mine's 77-fold. Evidently, there is no, um, no uh, view of God in the way he is. I mean, it's just, he's very flippant, right? Um, Abel's legacy was passed down by Cain, so he had, uh, Abel's legacy was ended by Cain, so he had no family to pass on the fear of God and the desire to please him. Scripture, though, tells us that Jesus comes from, the, from Adam and Eve's line. It would seem that the enemy had succeeded in stopping the family line of Jesus. But God, uh, but God's plans can and will never fail. Satan 
continues throughout the Old Testament and, and through the Gospels to try and stamp out the family line of Jesus. Um, anyway, let's look back at, at verses 25 and 6 at the end of the chapter. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. Um, one way is, and, and this is where scholars are divided, uh, as Terry pointed out, we, I didn't see it this way, and I had to look this up. Scholars are divided in, in the fact that on the one side, people turn, did actually turn their heart back to God. But the other side of it is that they started calling God different names or, or used his name inappropriately. And the reason why that, that comes about is because as we look in the next two chapters, which Terry will be doing next week, we see that it, they continue to degrade. Um, and then God has to uh, uh, delve out punishment. So there's two, two versions. But either way, if you look at either option as far as their legacy, either one, the legacy continued because we know that Jesus does come from that line. So we know at some point there is a turning back to God. We also see that from Cain that, that his keeps going downhill and in, until judgment comes on the world in a big way. Um, so <clears throat> what, legacy or, what kind of legacy are you developing? How will your children, grandchildren, family, friends remember you or us? Maybe you haven't shown God the worship he deserves. Maybe you don't feel that you belong to God. Maybe you have chosen a path away from God and you feel he would not take you back. And finally, maybe uh, your legacy isn't looking so good. You believe there's no hope for you because of the choices you've made or because of what's been done to you. We want you to know there's hope. What makes us acceptable to God is accomplished through Jesus' perfect sacrifice of himself. His sacrifice pays that penalty, that price, once and for all, if we choose. Let's pray.